0: We're starting at verse 25 through to verse 34. So Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, And is thrown, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own.
1: Let me pray as we uh, get into it. Uh, Lord, we're looking today at how Jesus says, do not worry. Uh, And some of us will feel so heavily burdened at the moment that that seems laughable. So I pray you'll help us to hear your word, hear what Jesus has got to say to us this morning and not just um, dismiss it out of hand. Thank you for your word that is able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. And we ask that as we listen, you will teach us, rebuke us, correct us and train us in righteousness so that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We ask this in the name of your son who has made you known. Amen. Well, what do you worry about? Because we all, we all do it, don't we? You know, What's the classic Australian saying for things being okay? No worries. The absence of anything to worry about. That's how okay is defined here. And what's the future tense of no worries? She'll be right. Yeah, And I don't know why potentially problemat- problematic things are deemed female. She'll be right, but... You know, read into that what you will. No worries. She'll be right. Hang loose. Chill out. Is that what Jesus is saying to his disciples here in this passage? When he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Well, what about when there's genuinely troubling things going on? Isn't Jesus being a bit pastorally insensitive? I mean what should we say to those people who've lost all their possessions, their livelihoods, even loved ones in the floods? Ah, don't worry about it. What should we say to Vassil Ostri? He's a pastor in Ukraine. And just before just the day before the Russian invasion, he wrote he wrote this My wife and I have decided to remain in our city near Kiev. We want to serve the people here along with our church. In anticipation of coming disaster, we've bought a supply of food, medicine, and fuel so that we can be a help to those in need rather than a burden. Ours is a family of six. We're raising four daughters. The local media is recommending that we pack an emergency suitcase. I told my children, pack your backpacks, pack enough things for three days. In the past, such packing meant we were going on a vacation or a fun trip. So our younger children, six and eight years old have been asking, Dad, where are we going? I didn't know what to answer. Don't worry, she'll be right. We'll come back to Vassil's story at the end. But what we'll see today is that there's a kind of worrying that is wrong for Christians. So we'll look at three compelling reasons uh, Jesus gives us to not worry and we'll see that Jesus gives us one big concern that is the genuine antidote to worry in any situation. So that's where we are in our outline is three reasons not to worry, one big concern. But before we get into the passage, just, let's just look at the context where this comes in the Bible to help us understand what Jesus is and isn't saying. We're in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus has been calling out sort of fake, showy, all-about-me spirituality, and he's promising those who come to God knowing their need of forgiveness and trusting in him for it, will be blessed. And at the heart of the sermon is the Lord's Prayer, where we get to call God, Father. We're welcomed into an active, intimate, immediate relationship with the living God not as a guest, as one of the family. And last week, Rod helps us to see how setting our hearts on treasures of this world can cause us to miss out on the heavenly treasure of knowing God as our Father and helping others to know the same. And we saw that you can't have it both ways. You can't serve God and money. And our passage today begins, therefore, so because your treasure is in heaven, Because you're not serving the master of material wealth, but serving God who you can trust, because of that, do not worry. So Jesus is not saying don't take responsibility. He's not saying don't plan ahead. He's not saying don't work. There's lots of places in the Bible making it clear laziness and foolishness is wrong. And we are to work as if working for God. And Jesus isn't saying there are not legitimate things to concern yourself with. So the word translated in our passage, worry, um, in the NIV, that's also translated elsewhere as uh, be anxious or also be concerned. So for example, in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks about his concern for all the churches. And that's a right and proper concern. There's a kind of concern that flows from love for others and for God. The kind of concern that if you didn't have it, would just be simply unloving. And I also think it's really important that we hear that Jesus isn't addressing the kind of anxiety disorders that one in four Australians suffer at some stage. So we have normal anxiety responses to stress, which are actually in the right place, good for us. You know, if we need to, and if we need to reduce stress, we can try changing the environment or train our minds not to be stressed by the environment. But anxiety disorders, I'm no expert on this at all, right? but as far as I can work out, anxiety disorders are where no matter what you do, you still have physical stress responses even when there's no real threat. So my wife, Sharon, she's given me permission to share this. I'll give you her example. As a child, Sharon was loved, but often found herself as a young child being the responsible adult role in the household, keeping things running and keeping things safe. So in that environment, she really did need to fix it. And her anxious response, bursts of energy, pounding heart, heightened responses, helped her to do that, helped her to cope. But years later, she's been helped to see, helped by a psychologist to see that she still has that same physical response, that same, I need to fix this response, to lots and lots of small triggers where there's really nothing to fix. So, for example, she'll see me on the phone with my resting grump face and think, oh no, something terrible's happened and her body is it gone into that stress mode to fix it. Now, Sharon, most of you know her, has got a deep... An abiding confidence in God. She really is not worried about her life, but her body can still react like it is. And I want you to hear there's no shame in needing help to address things like that. Um, if you're going through something like that, Jesus is not here condemning you for suffering anxiety that is outside your control. So I just don't want to to your problems. So I just wanted to be clear about that. So what is Jesus saying we should not worry about. He's saying, don't be worried about the basic essentials for life. First 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Do you believe that God sees you and cares about you? Well, then don't let the cares of this material world make him distrust you sorry make you distrust him sorry don't worry as if you were an atheist up against the cold pitiless indifference of a purely material existence with no promise of being looked after don't worry that way don't worry as though Jesus hadn't told you to call God father So, Jesus gives us three reasons not to worry. So, onto our headings three reasons not to worry. First one worrying is not needed. It's not needed. And Jesus makes the point using these two examples from nature. Verse 26 Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So birds are much lower in the pecking order. See what I did there? Birds are lower in the pecking order than we are. We're made in the image of God. So sure, birds work hard at feeding and looking after themselves, but it's food provided by God, and they don't worry about it. Um, to illustrate, Christians don't believe in spirit animals, but uh, my children tell me that if I had one, it would be this, the naked mole rat's. But really the joke's on them, because the naked mole rat is the only mammal with an almost entirely cold-blooded form of body temperature regulation. It's got a very complex social structure. They, they work out which one are going to be the reproductive class and which one are not going to be the reproductive caste. It lacks pain sensitivity in its skin, so it can deal with acidosis in the skin. It's got a very low metabolic respiratory rates. It's also a remarkable... For its longevity, they reckon it it lives 10 years longer than it should, and it's got resistance to cancer and oxygen deprivation. I'll tell you all that so that if God can swing all those things in favor of that ugly mug, how much more will He look after us? So let nature preach to you God provides, God cares about them. So he cares about you even more. Do you believe that? Do you know that, like it says in verse 32 God knows what you need? He's not asleep on the job, He's not set things going and left us like a half finished project in the shed. He sees us, He cares about us. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? One objection to Jesus' point here is, well, yeah, but some birds do starve to death, don't they? And flowers do die. But that's part of the point that Jesus is making. Grass is here today and gone tomorrow, and yet they're given more beauty than Instagram's top influencers. God knows that his created things have a lifespan. When you die, it won't be any surprise to God. And God will give you what you need until he decides it's time for you to die. Jesus is saying there's more to life than living, than just surviving. So don't make your goal in life simply to stay alive, because you will definitely eventually fail. We were made for more than just survival. So worrying is not needed. Secondly, worrying is just not helpful. It doesn't do anything. You know, when I think back to really stressful, really difficult or really sad times of my life, do you know what my one big regret is? I wish I'd have worried more. Yep. You know, I think things would have been so much better if I'd have had bigger knots in my stomach if it had a darker downward spirals of thought and more sleepless nights. That would, have, yeah, that would have been really helpful. Of course it wouldn't have been, would it? That's ridiculous. We know from a distance, we know worry is ridiculous. Verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Or can you? What's the answer? No. Worry assumes the possibility of control, where in fact the reality is, what we have to be humble about is, that much of life is beyond our control. We need to admit to ourselves when we're powerless. Verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus knows life isn't easy. Jesus knows There are troubles, and he had more than most of us. He's not saying it's wrong to plan ahead. He's just saying, give yourself to today's troubles, and don't worry about tomorrow as if God has got no control over it. Tomorrow isn't going to be a surprise to God. Um, I read an article uh, about a young man who had converted out of a lifestyle of lots of sexual sin. And rather than a sudden big change in purity, he found change a long, difficult struggle. And he said this, Early on, I learned something that I've never forgotten. I had to presume that Christ loved me. Jesus knew the kind of person he had chosen to forgive and save. He who had begun a good work in me was committed to one one day bringing me to completion. I relied on the fact that his mercies for me truly are new every morning. I lived in that promise from Lamentations, and I'll just read that promise again from Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait on him. Whatever tomorrow brings, God has got new compassions waiting for us there. So worry is not needed. It's not helpful. And it's not worthy. Verse 25 again, Jesus asks, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Answer, yes, of course it is. And worry betrays a view of ourselves as just bodies needing to be sustained. And a view of this life being all that there is. Uh, Worry is unworthy because God has created us to bear his image and to know him personally. So worry is to shift the focus from what we were made for to simply the fact that we have been made. So let me ask you, think for a moment. What is your one big worry right now? What is your one big worry right now? But here's another question. Why do you worry about it? Why do you worry about it? And our answer is usually along the lines of explaining all the understandably concerning things about the thing we're worrying about. But that's not where Jesus goes with it, is it? Jesus, uh, he's never good, is he, at letting us off the hook and giving us a load of get-out clauses of what he says to us. Jesus doesn't give us any excuses, and he's talking about essentials for life. Instead, he points to something in us. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So worrying is like living like the pagans. Living like the one true living God doesn't exist. As if he's not our heavenly Father. As if God won't give us our daily bread. As if God's not got any treasure in heaven for us. Worrying is living as if this life is all there is and God doesn't know what we need in it. Jesus says God does know what we need and that there's more to life than living. There's more to life than even our biggest worries. But what is that more? What is that more to life? It's one big concern. It's our final heading. One big concern. Excuse me. One big concern. So verse 33, what's this big concern? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus calls us to replace worries about this life by completely selling out to him. So that's how we seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, by following God's king, Jesus by giving ourselves over to Jesus. When we treasure things in this life, our job, our house, our car, our country, even our families, we worry about them. What if they're stolen or lost or if they die? And no doubt those experiences are hard. But if our lives are about seeking first Jesus' kingdom and righteousness. All of those things we're given in life, we entrust to him for his purposes, for his glory. Uh, Christian author John Stott sums it up really well. This quote on the screen for you. Secular people, people who don't believe in God, are preoccupied with the quest for food, drink and clothing. Christians are to be free of these self-centered material anxieties and instead to give themselves to the spread of God's rule and God's righteousness. That is to say, our supreme ambition is to be the glory of God and neither our own glory nor even our own material well-being. It is a question of what we seek first. To put it bluntly, If you've already given everything to Jesus, what is the worst that can happen? Bad things will happen to good people. But the pagan approach is to be consumed with worry about that and never actually succeed in changing it. Jesus calls instead to be consumed with seeing his reign and rule over our lives, over our family, over our church, Trusting that he cares. Difficult, concerning things are happening to us, will still happen to us. But we know God cares. God sees. He's taking care of it, and nothing can stop his plans. So let's draw things together uh, with some ways we can put all this into practice. Now you might be thinking, Well, thanks a lot, Colin. I was worried when it came in, and now you've just loaded me up with a whole other plate to spin. You know, seeking God's kingdom and righteousness. Now even more worried. But it's not like that. Seeking God's kingdom, if we want to stick with spinning plates, seeking God's kingdom is the one big plate you spin, and everything else is on that plate. It's not Seeking God's kingdom is not something else you do in your life. Seeking God's kingdom is what we do with everything in our life. And it's beautiful. If you're not a believer here today, ask any Christian here. It's not easy, but following Jesus is great because you can trust him with your life. It seems to me you've got two options with what to do with your life. You can worry about it as if you are all-powerful and can control everything about it. And if this is all there is, well, then really you should be worried about it because even the richest blokes in the world are finding out right now everything can be gone in a moment. You can worry about it as if you're in power and control or... You can give your life in service of Jesus, seeking first his kingdom so far as it's up to you and trust him with the rest. And when you do that, when you trust Jesus, seek his kingdom first, the worst that can happen in this life is some suffering and dying. But you will have treasure in heaven with God who loves you treasure that nothing can take away. Now, granted, we're more than birds or naked mole rats, but how can we, weak, sinful, ordinary people, how on earth can we seek to grow God's kingdom? Just one step at a time. One step at a time. So if you imagine a scale, so maybe unbeliever, to where you are now, to a fully mature Christian disciple of Jesus. Imagine that scale. Well, we're called to help one another along that scale. And we can't do everything, and God doesn't expect us to. But have a think and a pray about the people in your life and ask yourself, what would it take to move them just one step along that scale? So, for example, if you've got an unbelieving friend, can you get them to church? Could you get them to the women's Easter event? Could you give them a book to read? Or here on a Sunday? Uh, Can you share how the sermon or the Bible readings challenged you or helped you? Can you share what you've been worried about? Think about someone pray about them and have a go. Because God has got good works already prepped waiting for you to do. And finding those is a lot more fun than worrying about what you will eat or drink or wear. So what's going on for you today? What's making you anxious? Bring it to God, our Heavenly Father. He sees, he cares, and he's got bigger, bigger concerns for you to get your teeth into. Let's finish by catching up with Vassal, our pastor in the Ukraine again. So remember, we left him concerned for his young children. What's he going to do? He says this, As tensions have risen, our church announced a week of fasting and prayer, gathering every night to bring our requests to God. For three days in a row, the lights were turned off in the city. We were forced to meet in the dark, adding a solemn atmosphere to our prayers for peace. At the end of the week, those moments produced in us an inner strength to persevere. Through communal prayers, we've gained confidence and peace. We believe God is with us, and that is the most important thing we've decided to stay both as a family and as a church. We will shelter the weak, serve the suffering and mend the broken. And as we do, we offer the unshakable hope of Christ and his gospel. Let's pray. Our Lord, we pray for that pastor and that church and their reasonable concerns, but thank you that they are not worried for their life, but their trust is in you. Please help us uh, to bear the burdens that we're going through right now, uh, but to not worry about them, to bring them to you in prayer, to trust you with them. And please help us in really practical ways to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Amen.